Last time on Undercooked Analysis. The episode started with the usual bad quality, cutting right to an alleyway. The cameraman made his way through the alley, the derelict buildings on one side, and rusted metal fence on the other. Oh my god, no, this is... Mother... Okay, no, he knows about... This is, this is straight up, this is straight up Alan's tutorial. Man, this is... Yeah, this is straight up... This is almost par- this, Is this parody? I don't know. That's weird, what? For real? <laughs> hey, hey, painting heads. Today I'm going to show you how to uh, find some fresh wild berries. This is unbelievable. I haven't actually read this entry yet, so... No, neither have I. This is str- that's... Straight up Alan's tutorial. There was, there was one where he found berries in a trash can. This is so weird. Oh, what? I'm looking up and seeing if anyone else Someone has... has to have made this connection. Like, oh my god. We should talk to Night... We should talk to Nightmind about, about this. Nick Nocturne. Get him around here and be like, Have you read 1999? Can we talk about 1999? <laughs> And now, the conclusion. Um... Hey, 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 analysis heads. Um... I, um... Uh, to... Uh, to tutorial, um... To... Shoot. Uh, um, so, I, I, we're gonna, um... Your impression of that is a little too good. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a little bit too good for me to be happy with that. Tutorial! Tutorial. Original content, do not steal. <laughs> oh my god. So, hi guys, uh, welcome to, um... Um, I guess this would be another undercooked discussion, really. Uh, this is all, um, this is going to be very interesting today because uh, we have, um, this is all, this is the first thing we've recorded in the aftermath of uh, the inevitable, horrible discovery of uh, the blatant plagiarism of 1999. <laughs> now, so after you doing that impression... I'm hearing you say um so much more. <laughs> I'm like noticing every time you're, you're saying um. You're, you're hyper aware it's of it now. It's in his head now. Yeah. <laughs> it's circulating. <laughs> hyper realistic. You, you ever play that game where you have to have a conversation in a circle and everyone has a squirt gun and they have to give a speech and if someone says um or uh or stutters, you everyone squirts them with a gun? I have I had a never heard of that game, but it sounds malicious as hell. <laughs> I, I played that game in high school in one of our like presentation classes, and it was hilarious because you don't notice it, and pointing it out makes it makes you do it so much more than you normally would. <laughs> it's like the don't blink thing. Yes. Uh, don't blink. Don't even blink. Blink and you're dead. Anyway, my David continue, Tennant impression continue. is not nearly as good as my... <laughs> As my Al as my Alan impression. <laughs> um. So that being said, uh, let's get this started. I am your host, David King. The majority of you know me, and I don't usually have a good way to introduce myself these days anymore. So uh, we'll just move on. With me is uh, my ever 
uh, faithful co-conspirator, Dead Pallet. Hello. And uh, our guest this evening is uh, someone you might be familiar with, but if not, um, I'll let him have. I'll let him introduce himself. Hello, friends, and welcome back to Undercooked Analysis with Midnight Marinara. I am Nick Nocturne. I am a special guest this evening, and I am delighted to be here with all of you fellow uh, pasta aficionados. <laughs> That's good. And we were we when we um, I, I gotta say. It is it is a little eerie, and Dead Palette mentioned this earlier. How we come in is like, are, sir, are you are you filtering your voice just now, or or is this just how you sound normally? Because uh, you know, it's weirding me out, man. <laughs> I am very very regal. <laughs> you have a very you have a very real a very regal voice, and I'm just glad it's not the habit voice. That would be a little terrifying. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh yeah, nope. It, it would take uh, it would take some. Serious pre-production and tricks to manage to do that this entire way through. <laughs> you're oh, not, boy. you're not Nicholas Courtney. You can't just do a Dalek voice out of nowhere. <laughs> no. Um, oh, but uh, speaking of voices, I mean, I, I have been very much slacking on the Doctor Who thing. But in uh, related news to that, something that I know about, uh, Corey Taylor of Slipknot and Stone Sour was actually just invited recently to perform the voice of the Fisher King. And so I think that episode just recently came out. It was, uh, oh. he was very, very proud about it on Twitter. Apparently he's a Whovian and oh. he was thrilled to do that. <laughs> I have not actually seen that episode yet, which is disappointing because, um, I've been, I'm all caught up except for that episode. And it's since the last one ended in a cliffhanger, I'm just like, mm. Oh yeah, Doctor Who. One of a thousand things that I've been slacking on uh, severely. That one of these days, um, one one of the few things that's probably pulp culture that I've uh, seen recently was uh, Andy Samberg's presentation for um, was it the Emmys? It, it was. It was the Emmys. And in that presentation, he keeps having people ask him about all these different series that's been on. And uh, he keeps saying that he hasn't seen any of them, and they're all just so disappointed in him. So he locks himself away in a vault for a year just <laughs> to watch all of these things. Eventually, I got to do that. <laughs> I got to lock myself <laughs> away and just catch up. That's a good plan. Um, I have to try that myself uh, and make sure I have a lot of um, Salisbury steak, Nuka-Cola. Um, and spaghetti. <laughs> oh, always spaghetti. Always spaghetti. Actually, maybe not. Maybe not that much spaghetti. I've, I deal with enough spaghetti on a daily basis, unfortunately. And by spaghetti, I mean the you know the kind that comes out of people's pockets. Uh, that joke went nowhere. So. Uh... No, nope, I enjoyed it. I, I know the reference. Believe me, I've, I've been uh, I, I've been around the places where uh, <laughs> that that term's thrown around. Mm. I know the internet. Pockets. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, just to clarify, for those of you who don't know, uh, Nick here runs a fantastic YouTube channel called uh, Nightmind, and uh, he, he, like us, is very into uh, getting very analytical on the to the darker side of the internet, particularly uh, um, sort of the running stories that are told through varying forms of social media, Twitter, Facebook, uh, YouTube, um, all sorts where, where multiple accounts are involved, and... Uh, it's a medium I've always been really fascinated in. So, um, I mean, before we get this started, I was just curious to ask, uh, what prompted you to start looking into that particular medium as a sort of an analysis? On the analysis front, 
Um, it was really just the complete lack I saw for anything that was giving Marble Hornets its due time on, under critical analysis and review. I mean, this is something that has really touched um, mainstream culture, very much so. And to, to go on the net and find that there hasn't been any sort of major review stuff for that, any any real, you know, full explanations done to a degree of professionalism that I felt was brought to that series, I felt that's that's severely lacking. And seeing the lack of that, I just felt like, you know what? I want to be the person to do this. I want to bring this to people. And on top of that, as I was going through it, I'm like, there's so much more out there. Just like Marble Hornets, who, again, they aren't being noticed. I've been uh, I've been hung up for a few years, actually, on creative enterprises on the net and just in general that I feel needs to get their day in the sun, mm -hmm. needs to be exposed and brought to a broader audience. All this work, all this effort, all this genius in story writing, it's, it feels almost criminal when it's ignored. So I wanted to go ahead and bring that to people, really open that up in this genre, in this field, because I know it's enjoyed. And I know people, <laughs> sometimes when they discover something really good, the first thing they say is, why wasn't I here to begin with with this? <laughs> oh, that's uh, trust me, I understand how how that is. I I tend to stumble onto these things late, and then I'm like, why? Where was what? Oh, <laughs> I mean, well, um, that bring that brings up the question I was wanting to ask you is, what is it that you enjoy? Do you enjoy uh, the ARG elements, the alternate reality game elements, or do you enjoy the creepy stuff? Because I know you said that you're not really a huge creepypasta fan. So what what is it that brings you here, or is it both? Um, it's really both. What what I really love is just um, I, I did a I, I kind of went at length in a in a Tumblr post a while back just off of a prompt of, you know, somebody asked me, you know, the difference between what I consider gimmicky kind of stuff and uh, what I consider more worthy of attention, and my response to that was that I really love stories stories that have had a lot of powerful writing and thought that went into them that really dig into the fantastic and go for that full immersion it, it's when the writing is something that you feel the creators have almost bled for in order to really make an effort to bring to a quality level that anybody can enjoy it and feel that wow this is professional this is top-notch this is so inspiring that's what i love the most so it is difficult sometimes to find stuff out there as of right now that um, just meets that, that quality bar for me. So it's it's that fantastic element. It is, I like the horror stuff. I love, love the dark stuff. But if there's not a really strong story behind it, if there's not an element of characters going through this experience, learning and coming out for the better, even if a bit damaged for it, it's hard for me to get into. I still love my scary experiences. I love the I love the monster tales, you know. But those those elements of the the uh, hero's journey, that's what I really love, and that's what I find in all three of the series uh, of the big three. Well, that's funny because later on, I'm actually going to uh, bring up the hero's journey and and sort of the criticism that I've gotten for uh, my criticisms of 1999. But we'll get to that later. <laughs> But uh, it's funny that you mention uh, the story and everything. 
um, being easily read by everyone because these are actually some of like the most inaccessible stories because you have to like really dig sometimes like Marble Hornets not so much a lot of it's pretty out there and in the open but you really have to put in the work for Marble for uh, uh, Everyman, Everyman Hybrids. Hybrids. You absolutely do. One of, one of the biggest, biggest, biggest reasons that I wanted to do Everyman Hybrid, not only because it fits the same criteria that I had for doing Marble Hornets, but for that very reason you just mentioned, is that it is so inaccessible to so many people, or they feel it's inaccessible. And for that reason, they do not try or they do not get into it. They do not have the time. So in doing this series, I wanted to bring that story bring the effort that the EMH guys brought forward and give that to the people who felt that they could not access the story because I don't want them to miss out and I don't want the EMH guys to miss out on the uh, the opportunity to have that story be told to people who initially were interested. I know for a fact why it is that um, it turned out so inaccessible to some people. It's actually not really... Uh, a fault of the creators. It's an accident of maladaptation, is what I will say. Mm. Uh, it's for for me. I was really interested in it, and I was in college at the time, and I went to the Columbus College of Art and Design. So I'm I'm working, you know, sixty hours a week on art, and then trying to have a meager social life, and also feed my Team Fortress Two addiction. So by the time that the update hub started, I was just like, fuck it. I can't, I can't do this. I can't keep up with all of this stuff. Well, one thing I, I really admire about Everyman Hybrid is that they, they really cover the gamut of, um, of the different platforms that they tell the story on. They, and do, they do that better than Marble Hornets does. They do. And the thing, the thing that I admire about Everyman Hybrid is that you do, as a, as a, as a, as a reader, as a follower of the story, you do have to be proactive. You have to do some digging, and it forces you to sort of get engaged yourself. And to me, exactly. that always adds an element of realism to the story. When, you, when you're having to do some detective work yourself, when clues are sort of sprinkled around, that, that to me is one of the, the brilliant elements of, of this series, uh, is that it really keeps the audience... Um, it makes the audience have to work for what it's, uh, it's going for. And even when, uh, when watching your... Uh, you're really neat and clean and, you know, well set up for everybody who needs to catch up on it, uh, you know, uh, Nick. Thank you. The, which is, and it's, they're fantastic. Um, it's <laughs> still, you. it still keeps the engagement. You can see all of the effort that they put into it and all the, you know, you think oh, to yourself, yeah. if I was following this in real time, I would have had to make sure I was keeping track of this Twitter and this Tumblr. I need to, I need to follow Can You See the Words? I need to follow, um, you know, Everyman Hybrid on Twitter. I need to follow Habit. You know, all these, like, there were all of these different elements that you really needed to keep track of. And mm. to me, that's that's the strength of Everyman Hybrid because it adds a, a, a touch of realism as well as making the audience work for their story reward. Yeah, and, and the result of having to follow all of that at the same time is that as soon as one of them updated during that real-time portion, as soon as one of them updated, the reaction would be, oh my god, Damsel just updated, or oh, Habit just delivered his new trial. And you would get that chill up your spine. You would see the instant update, and it's got that same exact effect as something dramatic happening in your social sphere on the internet, on Facebook, or on Twitter to somebody you know. It's just that, again, this is an alternate reality game. So instead of being inside of your social sphere, 
it's part of the game. It's part of the character's social sphere interacting with you, and that's very, very thrilling. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I'm also interested in uh, what your opinions are on the Valve ARGs, if you played any of those, because I was actually pretty involved with those. And I think the difference there is when you're a company like Valve, you have so many people who are already playing your video games that setting up the ARG is a lot easier and you can make the puzzles and all of the stuff you have to work for so much harder because you have so many people already invested. Meanwhile, if you're trying to <laughs> have this show themed around um, Slenderman and then have a, a terrible Slenderman at the beginning making it look like it's a knockoff, you're going to deter so many people and it becomes so hard to have everyone there to work on it and, and solve it. True, but one, one of the uh, one of the major uh, things about EMH's ARG aspect is just before I even got to the trials, I knew what a major accomplishment it was to actually keep this up, to, to just imagine the guys sitting around putting this thing together, planning it out, maintaining these accounts with diligence. It's like, my God, the effort that it must have taken. And when you get into the trials, if you actually view the rabbit videos from the next trial, I did show uh, a few of the trials, uh, the videos from the last trial about Habit's poem. But when you see the next major trial that he has, oh my God, the participation factor, it, it will... It will shock you. It'll make you realize what they accomplished with this. Well, which is why we're all eagerly anticipating, for those following through you, um, the next part of Everyman Hybrid. Now, the next part of the Everyman Hybrid explained. Now, that being said, don't kill yourself doing this, okay? <laughs> we are. I am one of those people who doesn't want to put pressure on anybody. And I, and I always say, it'll be done when it's done. And I'll be happy when it happens, so I'm going to let it be. I appreciate yeah, but, that. But did you uh, follow those Valve ARGs at all, like the uh, Portal 2 potato thing? Oh, uh, no, I'm sorry about that. Um, no, the Valve ARGs, uh, it's difficult because there are a lot of um, ARG campaigns that I know about and I know happened. It just I haven't had the time to really dig into that. And I haven't really... There's only one ARG that I ever actually actively participated in which i was lucky to catch at the time and that was cloverfield that was the cloverfield game Ooh. that was a very fun experience which unfortunately now i kind of want to cover cloverfield just because it is fun and it's something that was so interesting at the time but i've got a very very strong feeling that most of the links and participating uh websites are very much dead <laughs> That's unfortunate. Um, the closest I got to experiencing a really good ARG of late was uh, last Halloween. Uh, it was a it was a um, sort of a social media based one called Dark Detour that was actually very cool, and I knew some of the people involved in it, so I had a little bit of a behind the scenes angle. But they they handled it very well, and um, they really tried uh, and successfully tr uh, did this, uh, keeping everybody involved in the action, and again making it so people had to. Other, you know, other people would uncover it, and then that, because of the the community's involvement, the story would change and shift based on what people, what problems people solved, and I thought that was very fascinating. 
Oh, that is a cool element. The yeah. story changes based on the participation element. I've honestly wondered myself, as I'm going through the EMH story, one, one of the things that people are going to realize with the next few installments is that the EMH story, I feel so, so much of it was written so far into advance. And that's that's another uh, a point of applause for the EMH guys is that so much of it was written in advance that looking at it, the guys probably had to say, if this was the case, you know, this is probably going to take us about mm, a year, two years to go through this entire storyline. <laughs> and yet they still suck to it. But the way that things have turned out, I can't help but to wonder if it was planned on whether or not audience participation had an impact on what happened to the guys. And it's interesting, too, because you mentioned all the work that goes into this. And I don't think a lot of people will appreciate that because it really, really looks like they're dicking around. And and I can tell you from editing footage and, and editing audio and doing all of this stuff that it's not, that they aren't dicking around, that there's a lot of stuff that they have to do, but they play up this, um, you know, just shitty YouTube channel angle. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and so it's it's very strange for people to uh, get involved in that when it looks that way, when exactly. it looks like they're just messing around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the and, points and, of access yeah, was that, that, that whole introduction of the channel originally. And in reviewing this, I thought, man, I am so glad that the original presentation of the channel as it was did not kill interest because, man, they, they really sold it on, on the beginning stuff. Because you can see, as soon as the as soon as the camera changes to a new camera, you you guys are going to see soon that this this entire series takes on a very strong film oriented approach. Very soon, mm. like as soon as the trials are over, it's going to turn on a dime, and it's going to feel like a brand new series. So to go through the evolution that it did, having that original approach of. Oh, Herp the Derp Slenderman series. <laughs> Did you see Slenderman back there, guys? <laughs> it's. I'm amazed that they've still been able to survive that and pull so many people in. And I'm so, so proud of them. I don't even know them, and I'm proud of them. <laughs> I don't even know them, and I'm proud of them. Well, well it's the same thing with Alan Tutorial. It's just like you would have no reason to think that there's anything there. Amen. No, re- yeah. no reason. Which is, you know, a, a, a common link between the two of them. It's just like, it, it seems mundane. And then somehow, somehow, when it starts to get sinister, when shit, quote unquote, starts to get real, um, that's when that's when you really start to see what they were setting up before, the foreshadowing. And it's like, oh. The too many cooks effect. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. That is wonderful. And oh, um, don't, don't mention too many cooks, because we'll... <laughs> That's just going to be a whole nother. Oh goodness! We're going to get sidetracked, and that's going to be another conversation. We've already, we've already. Well, that's the thing about the show is we don't really have a plan when we come into this. Although no. the idea, the idea with this one is being in the aftermath of, <laughs> of the grand discovery from oh, last time. Goodness. Okay, so if you listen to the last episode of 1999, that reaction Dead Palette and I had was very, very real, and I was just in stitches. I was both shocked and kind of awed by the apparent audacity of the writer of 1999 to just straight-up lift elements of Alan's tutorial and not even try to make them 
his or her own. Just they're just there. And well, how, how about I jump off something that Nick said? That way we can really get into the heart of this. Oh no, of course. You want me to do that? Yeah, go for it. Okay, okay. <laughs> so I think the question of dealing with uh, the interactive horror that we're talking about here, and and to a degree, uh, that's what 1999 is too. But when you're dealing with that, you have to ask questions of what are you going to do when people decide not to play along? And you've seen how different people react to it. So Everyman Hybrid's mechanic for doing this is you people are full of shit. Quit fucking with us. Those videos aren't there. So they just outright deny it. And that becomes part of the story. In Marble Hornets, they kind of censor the fans by not giving them the comment section. And, uh, it the seems fans like do not exist. <laughs> yes. the, there's that great um, image macro like advice dog thing of Jay. And he says, I need you to help me find my friend disables comments. Um, <laughs> and, and it looks like um, I think uh, Alex Fear is Lake's coming 40... after me. Let me keep uploading videos of my exact location and tweeting about where I am at all moments. <laughs> Precisely. And it looks like uh, Clear Lakes 44 is going to deal with that problem in a different way than Marble Hornets did. And then you have Alan Tutorial, where the person uploading it doesn't understand. So that's his excuse, as he doesn't understand people are making fun of him, really. you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then that leads to 1999 solution, which is to be selective and or fake interactivity by having these um, emails sent to this person and that becoming part of the story itself. And uh, it benefits off that our no sleep policy of it's real here. So people are willing to give it the benefit of the doubt in its context because they appreciate it. And so they don't want to ruffle any feathers. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So does that hurt realism by letting non-realistic stories be treated like they're realistic and also does that prevent us from looking at problems like plagiarism? Because we're not going to question as much. We're going to accept it for what it is. You know, at face value, we accept that, okay, this is a story and we, we shouldn't question it. It should be allowed to be believable on us. No, because one of the one of the real, real difficulties that comes with what we're doing and what we really love as media is that full division of fiction and life, how do we walk that line of really enjoying the alternate reality fiction where we believe in the context, we have suspended our disbelief, but at the same time, we are only allowing it to immerse us to the point where we feel it and we play along, but we still keep in the back of our minds that this is fiction, that we cannot fall too deeply into the story. That walking line is so, so difficult to establish with things, especially as you create more and more immersive experiences for your audience. So with something like 1999, you can go ahead and um, establish that uh, in the context, as he said, that this is something that is happening. This is a story that a person is telling us, and we believe it because this is his story. What are we to contradict it? And as we speak to him, he replies back. He gives us answers. But at the same time, we have to keep in mind that as believable as it is, you know, we can't really give him that full experience of, yes, this legitimately happened. And that's why we 
cannot really see it's it's difficult because <laughs> my my first my first instinct on this my true instinct to be honest is yes he stole from Alan he did steal from Alan and I'm not ashamed to say that opinion because it is blatant it is in your face and it mm-hmm. is very disappointing and that's that's why I'm loath to say that is because I am disappointed because I was following 1999 all along since I found it, mm-hmm. and I enjoyed it immensely. And to have that happen, to have that discovery, I was sitting here at my desk with a friend who had seen Alan Tutorial well before um, Nightmine was even a thing. I had showed him that full experience, and as I had him down here with uh, with me at the computer, I was uh, telling him about 1999, and just to go and show him. I pulled up the creepypasta readings on YouTube, and I saw there was a new installment, and I'm like, this is perfect. I can get the new installment. You can get a taste of what's going on with this story. We can both have this. So I turn it on. I let it play. And as soon as it gets to the berries, as soon as it gets to this man stuttering in the same way that Alan stutters, speaking almost verbatim what he said, using the... uh, Etc. Heads, the heads as the suffix. It's. I knew. I just instantly knew, and I paused the video. I stared at the screen, and then I looked at my friend, and he had the same dead-eyed expression <laughs> that I did, that he could not believe what we just heard. And I just, I leaned back and I sighed, and I'm like, I'm not even going to press play now because <laughs> I cannot respect this. As a creator, I cannot respect this. Yeah, it's it. It does. That's that's the biggest feeling I have is disappointment. Is just absolutely this really, um, for all its faults, really could have been something, and there there are elements of it where, it's it's alluding to, the whole wood thing where you have the slats of wood and everything and chipping away at the house. Those elements I can kind of afford, because they're not stolen, lock, stock, and smoke and barrels. But it's like you're dead to rights when you use suffix uh, heads, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and when your when your episode is what you're describing is is almost verbatim, almost verbatim. Minus visuals. Minus visuals. Minus the the visuals that really sell it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm actually looking at it now just for a frame of reference, and the camera zoomed into the container, revealing it to be full of small red berries. And, and here we have berries. The man placed the camera on the ground so that it was level with the berries. He took a small handful and presumably ate them. Mmm, tastes good, the man exclaimed. <laughs> you cannot deny for a single second after having watched Alan Tutorial where that came from. What? It is one thing to be creating a tribute. It is another thing entirely to be lifting someone's material. And, and that's the thing, is I often go out there and call myself a liar and say that artist is equal to liar. And and I really want to put that out there. And I also say, uh, I'm a thief. I steal stuff. And that is very important. You, you have to steal stuff as an artist to, you know, recreate what it is you want to make and make something in your own image. So then this happens and I say this person is a plagiarist. And so I, I kind of want to establish what the difference is between those things. I think that's so, the good thing. Yeah. So I think you're, you're dealing with recontextualization versus reinvention versus 
outright repeating something. So, for example, in 1999, they have uh, this thing that's alluding to um, Bear in the Big Blue House in Mr. Bear. But its meaning has changed completely because you're surrounding it with this new creepy context. And so it's no longer really just Mr. Bear. Uh, it's not uh, Bear in the Big Blue House. It's yeah, taking it's that sort of creation. Con- yeah, so so it's it's completely new because of what's surrounding it. And then you have uh, your archetypes, so your reinvention. And so you, you mentioned uh, the hero with a thousand faces, and, and uh, that plays into this, where you have these sorts of archetypical horror stories. And so in the case of 1999, it's a shotgun image thing. So it's just like Barbie.avi or um, normal porn or, or, or something like that, where you have all of these different images being shot at the at the reader, and that those are just like little snippets that comprise a big story. So that's the kind of niche that this is filling. But then you just have outright repeating where one or two words are changed without adding any new meaning or new content or streamlining existent meaning or content. And so there, I think, is the big divide. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what, what you just described is, you know, taking something and then changing a couple of words around. That's pretty much exactly what our teachers in high school, middle school, and even a little bit of elementary all told us. That is plagiarism. If you do that, I will fail you. Cite, so, cite your sources, kids. Cite your sources. Yeah. Ah. Um. I, I, I didn't mean to cut you off if you were still going. Oh, I no, just, no, no, no. No, it's I, I'm pretty much done. <laughs> oh, what I find so fascinating, and I wanted to bring this up for a bit, was not only the reactions that me, Dead Palette, and then I know you had in your own context, but once this got out there, um, through through undercooked analysis, the people who regularly listened came in, and several people chimed in. And what I find really fascinating is so many people are still so in such disbelief about it that they're trying to say this ha- there has to be a reason for this. There has to be a reason. I'm, I'm included. I'm yeah. included. I don't I don't know what's going on here. We, we, I don't think anyone does, but I have seen some really bizarre theories hypothesized that like, for example, that um, Alan tutorial is in the same universe as 1999. Or that um, Alan Resnick is behind 1999, or well, what if it was true though? What if it was true? I'm not. I'm not saying any of this to try and shame anybody who's been thinking about this. In fact, I I appreciate for everybody out there, each and every one of you that has given me feedback about this and has hypothesized and has posed their theories and has uh, communicated with me about. Uh, what they think is happening here, because the story being what it was, being such a, a an enigma in a strange way, a very interesting and uh, well-developed creepypasta, for it to suddenly make a complete 180 like this is just so bizarre that it caught everybody off guard, everybody who noticed it. And for those who didn't notice it, they should notice it. And I, my goal here has always been to make sure people realize what's happening here. And then then they can try and impose their own theories. So well, it does it does bring up the question of is it a 180 or has it stolen from a bunch of other things and plagiarized a bunch of other things that we don't know about? That's cuz cuz we were this close like in between recording 
um, the last analysis of 1999 and the one before that, in between that time was when I was introduced to Alan Tutorial through Nightmind. Mm-hmm. And so I was so close to not catching that. And I introduced you to Nightmind and likewise Alan Tutorial. So we would have both missed that if not for this like lucky streak of <laughs> of Nightmind coming into existence to introduce us to this. So well, thank you. And that's that's actually one of the major, major reasons that I, I did Alan Tutorial is because uh it's it's exactly like the mission statement I said earlier is um I saw Alan Tutorial and as soon as I went through it and realized this this is not a, a, a how to basic before how to basic became a thing. That's not what this is. There's something very much more here. And as I went through it, and then when I discovered that there was more to it, and not only that, but it was Alan Resnick, the guy who made unedited footage? Are you kidding me? <laughs> I realized this guy needs to be shown around. He needs to be appreciated for this work. And so I'm very, very glad that something, a major awareness has come around. One of the absolute best results of anything that I do for my videos is hearing from people in comments or on Twitter or Tumblr that they had no idea that this thing existed or that this facet of this thing that they knew existed was a part of it. And so many people have expressed that they've become Alan Resnick fans since watching the video. And that is the result that I hoped for. And I am thrilled that it happened. And I'm also kind of thankful in, you know, an unfortunate way that, uh, I did go ahead and put it out there because a lot more people do know about Alan Tutorial now. But that does open the gate for the discovery of what's happened here with 1999, mm-hmm. which is very unfortunate. Well, I much prefer the work of Alan Resnick to 1999, so <laughs> yeah, well, even our... without the plagiarism. <laughs> well, our, our, it... our, our thing with 1999, we said from the beginning, is like, it's good, but it's, a, it's an interesting case study for, for guys like us who do the creepypasta analysis. Because it's a fairly well-crafted story, at least as far as we can tell, but it makes mistakes. It has mistakes in it, and it's really interesting because um, creepypasta, as a as a medium, does have those kind of stumbling blocks in various different kinds of stories. Uh, mm. When um, trying to present itself with some sense of realism and some believability, and uh, th- we uh, we had talked about all kinds of things that the story maybe alluded to. Like this was this maybe a superior version of Happy Appy, which uh, I know that got dropped a couple times. Um, or you know people we had uh, I'd interacted with would made the Bear in the Big Blue House connection. Or more importantly, um, uh, to uh, Ubi, the Nick Jr. thing with the talking hands that was also referenced in uh, well, it was also alluded to as with to the the booby segments in 1999. So the whole thing has been really interesting from the get-go as we go through it. And again, to have this happen is just almost makes me all the more curious about what's really going on. Yeah, I've got to say one of one of the things that I did think about in, in term in terms of the Evan uh, the Allen revelation was that I did, like you guys, try and reconcile this with myself, thinking something that has gone on this long, doing its best to be original, uh, albeit with, um, you know, its own inspirations, it couldn't have done this. 
it, this, the writer would not have done this to his story. He wouldn't have done this to himself. So what <laughs> happened yeah. here? And honestly, thinking about it, it's like, if you think about how there's probably a way to reconcile any inspiration that comes here, yes, there absolutely is. Because if you look at the approach of 1999, the story is quite literally, a man realizes that a certain TV show from his childhood had sinister intentions. Now, that came in the year 1999. That was a year that most of its readers were probably children mm -hmm. watching media very, very similar to what it's drawing inspiration from. I remember Bear in the Big Blue House. I remember... Oh, God. It, I remember so many shows that I, I can't even remember the name of right now, but I remember the images. I remember the acting, the entire look of it and feel of it. I, I, I might even remember in an odd way those hands, uh, the, the hands with the googly eyes or whatever they had on them. Mm. And I know what he's alluding to, but you cannot, in that frame, in that template of taking the stuff that was out in 1999 and the surrounding years, have that as a tribute, and then go and take something as recent as an <laughs> internet video on YouTube that came out maybe two years ago and put it into the same context. You can't do it because literally the last entry says, hey, guys, once again, I'm sorry for taking so long to update. I've been fortunate enough to find a full-time summer job, blah, blah, blah. He goes on to say that he met up with the Herontario uh, Her Street Branch to view some evidence found at the sinister Mr. Bear's house. Wilson never made it clear how many tapes Herontario had, but they only showed me one of them. The tape I was shown contained two episodes the first episode on there being how to find berries part of the paint with the soul series it was on a tape a tape that was made by mr bear around the year 1999 you cannot tell me in all honesty with the template of inspiration from shows in that era through this means of media that you are able to just go ahead and take something as recent as an internet video pop it in that template and be completely cool with it. It does not work. You've broken the lore of what you're doing. And and that's part of it, too, is if you take something like Bear in the Big Blue House and recontextualize it, you're taking something that isn't scary and isn't horrific and making it that. When you're taking Which is Alan Tutorial... Which is problem, yeah. Yeah, when you're taking Alan Tutorial and making it creepy when it's already <laughs> creepy, it, it's just that doesn't make any fucking sense. Exactly. That is lifting. That is lifting. Yeah, and and there's there's, there's it, a difference. There's a difference between alluding, like drawing inspiration from something, as we've said, and just outright lifting. And so I was okay when it was like we were making those connections. It was like, oh, okay. Well, we can see where the author drew inspiration. But this, and you yeah. know, we're, no, we're taking a lot of it's a tie-in. Right. Yeah. We're we're taking a lot of breath to explain this, but I think people get it in their guts what the difference is. You know, yeah. and um, that brings this idea to mind to me is was this person, you, you know, how could they do this to their own story? Did this person writing this have a plan from the get go uh, to end the story or was it let's gauge reaction? And maybe this person had the story, wrote it out, wrote themselves into a corner, had no more images to give. And then just decided to steal at some point down the line, or 
do, do you think that this was an intentional thing where it was planned out long in advance like Everyman Hybrid? No, I feel with something this sudden, I actually feel with, with a creepypasta like 1999, the way that this story goes is that he probably, he, she, whoever wrote this story, wrote that initial story, that first installment, with the idea that they may be able to follow it up if reader reaction was good enough, just like any other thing that you put on the internet. You put it out, you gauge the reaction, and then you ask your followers if they do exist for that, if they want to have more, and if so, what type. And then it just grew out of control. This may have been this person's initial major public writing experience, and I believe that the way that this spiraled, they really may have written themselves into a corner. They may have gotten to the point where it became too big, and they just could not handle it, and they killed it, or they just wanted to move on. Because the, the way that this goes, I cannot believe, I cannot believe that this was all written for a gag ending. This isn't, I, I mean, I haven't really been able to play the Silent Hill games myself, but I know about the, the dog and the aliens ending from one of the games. <laughs> I don't think this is that case. I really don't. I can't imagine someone putting this much effort, this much talented writing into something for a gag, for a troll. I'll tell you this. I feel like a joke has been played on me. I, like, do, I that, do, that, too. That was, that's what my gut reaction was, is like, someone is messing with me. <laughs> This, and, like, I got to take a moment to take this all in, because if this is a giant joke, well, you're, you're, I fucking fell for it. Your your Before reaction, my reaction, was was amazing. That's the thing. I was sitting here going, this is gold. Like, honestly, just the two of us sitting here reacting to this, this is this is perfect. And and I, as shocked and aghast as I was, I was sitting there recognizing, we're getting this, we're getting this raw raw reaction that we can't even fathom what's going on here because it just makes no sense guys and what if what if that's actually his point i just you gotta what wonder. if he in the same way because because wait <laughs> think about this okay in the same way that the main character goes through this story explaining how in 1999 he watched this show that once he's years into his life realizes was sinister realizes was the complete opposite of what he thought what if that's the effect that the writer's going for hmm. wait uh, elaborate some more on this <laughs> because he took us for a ride the entire way along if this is the case if this was his plan if this was their plan the writer to take us all the way along have all these readers go for this engagement Believing this thing to be something that is a real story that is going somewhere and at the very end pull the rug out from under us completely and shock us for that raw reaction like you said, Dave, I can't help but wonder, was that maybe their plan? The the thing is, I think that's a good theory. I kind of, in my own mind, doubt it because... That's not the end of that section. It then goes on, and we didn't talk about this in the other video. It then goes on to a Mr. Because we Bear's... stopped reading. <laughs> oh, no. It goes on to another episode where a man is beaten to death with a baseball bat. And this thing is just kind of sitting in the middle of the story. And while I completely 
see where you're coming from here, Nick. I have a hard time grasping that it might have all been for, for that because it's just kind of tucked almost nonchalantly in the middle. Like, he's almost hoping we don't notice it. We don't notice the connection. That's yeah. where I'm leaning right now. Now, yeah, there's, it's just there's just a part of me that <laughs> wants to find a real artistic meeting with this, and so it's well, me too. Yeah. It's kind of it's leading me to the Alan tutorial thing again of you know the gut reaction. I am it, it, metafiction basically, I, the way that Alan tutorial was metafiction. I don't know. It's kind of leading my mind there, and the belief that there's got to be something to this. That the writer could not just troll us like that and leave it as a big joke and. So I don't know. It's, well, it's just something that I thought of. That's something that I think people who write metafiction should be careful with is making metafiction about metafiction and just getting <laughs> really fucking meta. Because I think you kind of start to miss what's magical about it when you're mm -hmm. getting that far ahead of yourself of making something that intricate. I think you begin to make uh, you, you, uh, you begin to work really hard and get diminishing returns. Whereas something like Alan Tutorial, its its metafiction is very clear and defined, and once you understand what's going on, it's it's getting a desired effect effect that is very powerful, especially with um, the format that it's it. Yeah, it's it's set up as this cringe video of like, ha, look at this, you know, stupid retard. We're gonna laugh at him, and you have this like, you you laugh. And then it makes you feel so bad about laughing at him, and he becomes such an endearing character, and <laughs> you you really root for Alan. And by the end, when he's escaping, like, the first time I saw that, I was almost in tears. I'm just like, yes, he made it out. <laughs> and, and you just care for him so much, and he has so much personality, and he he's like, you know, well, what do, what do you want? The people want the news now. I mean, that's that's just the deal. He has this matter-of-fact attitude. And you identify with him. I think if there was this extra layer on top of it, it would just get really complicated, and the beauty of that would be diluted in my mind. Hmm. That's very well said. Yeah. Wow. I, a lot of people really fell in love with Alan's character. I, I remember one of my favorite comments personally on that final video was it, it's. I think it's buried under too many other comments that have been upvoted above it, but it was it was pretty high up there. And when I first saw it, and it was, run, Alan, run, run home and never stop. <laughs> and I'm like, that's exactly my feeling. Mm -hmm. He's free now. Just go home. Get out of here. Be free to make your tutorials, Alan. Yep. <laughs> and, and like, it's, it's really interesting, too, because you have this very sad moment of him knocking over the blue chair. And like in your video, you explained it a lot. I don't even think that that needed explanation. I just, for some reason in my mind, just immediately connected the dots as to what happened for him. And for him to, at the end of that video, be so happy because he did go through that ritual that makes him calm, that was just this really weird whiplash moment of like, oh, this is really, really sad, and then he's just happy, and you and you feel better for him. You know? <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. yeah. Um... Now, the, the, since you're, you know, that's the thing. We, we really, as, as, as an audience, we care about Alan. And I got to wonder, because again, from the metafiction angle, how much, and I was thinking about this, how much do we really care in 1999? How much do we really care about Elliot 
as a he's character. not he he's just our he's just our uh, guide that's the point the curator there's yeah, the point exactly right there we don't care about elliot where he's he's our lens into this weird world where this dude in a bear costume sacrificed children to satan and the thing well, is that's that's really not all too rare among creepy bosses though no i know i know and i realize that but the what thing sacrificing is, children to satan yeah, that's no, pretty. No. That's pretty far for the course. <laughs> Although that is also not yeah. entirely uncommon in Creepypasta. What I mean is um, not caring about our narrator. Well, yeah, yeah, that that is true. But what I was thinking about was like, uh, I mean, that there there therein lies a very distinct difference. Um, but also, we had just come off of, and keep in mind, we had just come off of probably the most intense entries in the series, which is actually seeing what happened to the kids. You know. Yeah. And you can't get better. It's hard to get better than that. So at this Which point... Which was strangely built to pretty well. It, oh, yeah. No, that's the thing. If the story had ended there at a sort of almost like you were never going to get all the answers kind of thing, and also maybe Mr. Bear is still out there, that would have been fine. That would have been a satisfying conclusion. I would have walked away from 1999 thinking, that was enjoyable. I enjoyed that read. But... To have it keep going and turn into this, what what we saw, what we've now experienced, is, is uh, I, it's hard to find the words. It's, well, it's, uh, it's, it's frustrating on many levels, is how I find. Because mm-hmm. you're absolutely right about that. Because once it hits that point of it hits that climax of we have finally seen what happened to these poor children and we know Mr. Bear is still out there, that, that fear... That makes it like, yes, this story has just hit its climax. It's hit its dark point. This is this is what we've been waiting for, as as morbid as that sounds. So to have it turn into something that almost feels like a spit in the eye, <laughs> to to quote uh, a line <laughs> from from a video that's coming up soon uh, that I've been studying, it's it hurts. It it kind of hurts. Honestly, if you were if you were a dedicated reader or listener, it hurts. Mm-hmm. And and I wonder, two questions: in the writer's mind, is this quality? Were, were they happy with what they wrote, and did they think that it was ethical to plagiarize that? So in 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 their mind, do you think that they knew what they were doing, or not? I I I tend to believe this person knew what they were doing. Because they, th- so. their writing skill yeah. was too good. Uh, it's too not good. perfect. Too not, practiced. It's not. It's not perfect. No. But this person clearly had a level of intelligence to pick out certain things. How could someone turn that around and just all of a sudden steal like this? So I think they knew what they did, and I, I think that they knew what they did was unethical. Um, Maybe. I'm alone in that, but I think that's what. No, I'm no, no. You're you're absolutely right. Is that it's it just it's exactly like you said, Dave. And that it's it's so sudden, it's so right there in the story. And then we do get the other half of um, the episode on that tape. That you gotta wonder, what was the point? Because mm-hmm. if it had cut there, it, it would have been a complete slap in the face. But as you said, it does go on. It does go on to what we usually know now of Mr. Bear and what he does to human beings. And it's no surprise. I mean, it's surprising because it's still a horrible event. But from from the perspective of the tapes that have been kept by police, it's no surprise. 
but what come before that just hidden in there that way you gotta wonder I think I gotta side with Dead Palette on this in that this more than likely was lifted with the purpose of not being discovered but they chose a bad bad source to lift from that is that's honestly my that's honestly what i think happened that's where i sit on the whole thing and i like i said i'm hypothesizing and speculating about other theories but i just think it was that thing where well only so many people know about alan tutorial only so many people know about 1999 if i just slip this in here no one will notice and and i wonder um it's it's always hard to do this but hypothetically if alan tutorial erase that from your head as best you can would you enjoy 1999 uh, at, at the end? Would you enjoy that inclusion had you not known about Alan Tutorial? Um, I'll let you go ahead, Dave. You, you go first. To be completely honest, by like I'm trying to think about it because this was it's all hard. new to me. Um, had I not known about Alan Tutorial, I would have been. I probably would have read that section and thought, okay, what's the point? We've we've seen the we've seen we've we've hit an event horizon <laughs> with this story, <laughs> and no, I don't mean the 1997 movie. Although um, <clears throat> I'm sorry. Anyway, uh, we've hit we've hit we've hit a we've hit like a that's, like a, that's another case of plagiarism with uh, <laughs> with Dead Space. Oh, like, I, that that would that wouldn't be plagiarism. That would just be stealing the archetype. But well, that's but, stealing the archetype because nineteen uh, because uh, Event Horizon was a terrible movie and Dead Space was a relatively good game. But <laughs> oh, I disagree. I like that movie. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, I just, just I just I'll I just... could not let my opinion I could I couldn't let my silence speak for assent. No, that's that's fair. Um, no, my uh, ultimately like the reason I, I I harp on it too is because I go well. Even if I didn't know about like Alan tutorial, reading this section would have been like, okay, so what new information are we getting? Do we need this information? Is this important information to understanding or to piecing together what we already know? It's like <clears throat> it's like we've already been given the most that the story can give. And everything else that's not really touched on can kind of be left alone. We don't need every single minute detail about Mr. Bear, who he is, why he th- he's doing what he's doing. We have enough clues scattered throughout that it keeps a little tantalizing mystery going. If, as I said, I feel like what's added after that doesn't actually contribute that much more to the narrative as a whole. So... That, I mean, maybe from a realistic standpoint, if you're someone who's following this and giving into the idea that, yes, this is a real account posted on someone's blog, even dis- suspending disbelief or not, um, I guess that would be okay. But I understand from a meta, you know, from the, from a, from a writer standpoint, this is fiction. And this is something that someone needed to, needed to put careful consideration into into the beats of the story and so having this afterward is kind of like okay so then what so that's well, my that's the that's the thing is you're as a writer you still are considering you if you're being generous you come to it saying that this person is talking to you and then it's your choice whether you want to call bullshit or say you are writing a convincing story so yeah even if you are in that fictional mindset of a writer, 
you are approaching it as is this is this person is talking to me are they lying or not <laughs> and so yeah. yeah uh you do you have an opinion nick um on the opinion that whether or not it would have how it would have felt if we completely take Alan tutorial out of the equation, if it had never existed, if it had never been a series and this was just a part of the story, I would have just seen it as a new story thread. I would have wondered, you know, it's, it's something that just kind of appears and you know, there's no murder, there's no children. So you're wondering what's the deal. And so it would have felt like a new story thread and it would have just kind of been glided over. And the meat of that portion would be, you know, the man getting killed with a baseball bat that that would have been what what we cared about next, but we would still be wondering about the whole man running around taking garbage berries thing, <laughs> and that probably would have been elaborated on or just left aside. Who knows? But well, that's the thing. Illusion would have been felt. It would have felt a little odd. It would have. Uh, with with Marble Hornets, there were parts that felt odd, but there was a plan for those elements. So mm-hmm. some of the two of the arc videos were kind of. Uh, when you start to see the different people on the To The Arc channel, you're kind of like, why is this style clashing? And why are we getting these pairs? And so I would give it the benefit of the doubt because that came to fruition and ultimately did have a meaning. Uh, so I would give this the benefit of the doubt, but I would question what we've learned about Mr. Bear as a character, tutorial character that they can that they plagiarized isn't consistent with Mr. Bear. So I would wonder who is this person and how do they play into this story? So I I think I would enjoy it. I just wouldn't know what to make of it. And I would ask myself, are they getting ahead of themselves? Do they have an answer for that? Right. And I think that's kind of the same question I would pose, but I would be, but like I said, I'd be a little more pessimistic. I'd go, okay, so where is this going next? As opposed to like, Ooh, more story, you know? That's that's just um, that's just where I sit. So I mean, one thing I had considered, and um, I I realize this if 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 this is the case, this is another theory here, um, and it got brought up a little bit earlier that if the author was trying to sort of set fire to their own creepy pasta, and again, I'm still leaning toward the I, I'm putting this in here and hopefully no one will notice, but. The uh, Jettisable, the you know the force, creative force behind Ben Drowned, did something very similar in April Fools, where they were just like, "Hey, we're gonna break character for a bit and drop this thing in here as a big joke, and also to promote this thing, this thing that, as uh, you put it in one of your um, in, in one of your discussion videos, Dead Palette, fucking epically failed." <laughs> yeah. Uh, so his whole thing was on. If, if you haven't seen Ben Drowned, I'm surprised, genuinely. But the whole idea was it was started out as a static thing, turned into an ARG. It was focused around Majora's Mask being like the progenitor of haunted cartridge creepypastas. And there was a video called King Kong.avi where instead of like doing all the creepy stuff that normally happens, it sets up like it's going to be that. And then it has the Goron mask version of Link playing uh King Kong by uh, Chameleon Air and someone else, <laughs> and and so it's like this like silly rap song, and it's it's very clearly a joke. Whereas in 1999, if this is a joke, 
it's not clear enough. I certainly felt like I was being pranked, but looking back on the rest of the story, there was no joke there, so I'm just confused. Yeah. Looking at the way that updates have gone with 1999, we can see that this was 621.15 when this happened. Before that was 4.14.15, and before that one was 1.16.14. So 1.16.14 over to 4.14.15, and then, you know, about maybe two months later or so, it's not necessarily been to the point where we've gone long enough without an update that maybe it's over. There still is room for this person to go ahead and add a new installment right and carry it on or you know they could easily go ahead and put that elliot was just screwing with us potentially uh for his own sanity uh (laughs) i mean it's it's a save uh it's kind of a weak save of course but you know any save at this point would be weak but it is an opportunity if they did mean to just have it as a joke. Otherwise, if they've been caught red-handed lifting, I don't really want them to continue. No, neither do I. But the thing is, no. Here, I was just this just dawned on me. No publicity. There's that old saying that no publicity is bad publicity. Now, in this day of um, in this day of the internet, I'm not entirely sure about that. But uh, the thing is, by us exposing it and by this getting out there, would that be a thing that would generate controversy, bring people to the story, and then and thereby get, pe- like, maybe an entry somewhere down the lines, like, so, hey, guys, ha, 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 Elliot, you know, like you just said, we get that sort of idea. Like, Elliot was just trolling us. Not, not unless the actual major facets who partake in the consumption of 1999... <clears throat> Go ahead and let their people know. Right. If Creeps McPasta let people know, if Mr. Creepy Pasta let people know, there would be a major backlash. Otherwise, there's not much chance of too many people finding out. Yeah. There could be, there could be an opportunity that somebody finds out and somebody raises enough of a point that it gets back to the author. The author could be hearing us now. <laughs> for all we know. <laughs> but until it reaches the majority fan base, the majority readership or listenership, as it were, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if this is just going to be glossed over, swept under the rug by the author, if it's even going to continue. Well, that's the thing about those those major creepypasta narrator people is you see this with the controversy that they have had with uh, Slime Beast. Their fans are fucking marks, and they, <laughs> and some of them legitimately think that these stories come from them or that's how they perceive it they wow don't mr understand. creepypasta this is one of my favorite stories you've written abandoned by disney yeah they, <laughs> they don't they don't perceive and appreciate that this is a whole movement of authors who are working together for basically no money to make these creepy stories and so that that's what i was getting to earlier is is there enough mechanisms in place to check this bullshit because because i'm a bullshit artist you know i I deal in lying and so is there a way to check if someone is giving you an open-handed honest ethical lie or if they're trying to swindle you and trying to take credit for something that they didn't do 
And that's a that's a difficult question, and I don't and I think it's the case, but I don't know how you could respond to that. Because how could you? Because no, we've seen people raise the point. Yeah, the anonymity of this author protects them in this case because they can either, if they do realize that they have been found out, they can leave it right here. They can drop it cold, never come back, and they will be fine except for the few personal people they know who realize that they are the author and know what he's done. If they find out, he could always just leave it here because we don't know who this person is. Mm -hmm. We don't know who the writer of 1999 is. And that's probably one of the reasons that lent them to believe they could get away with this. Exactly. But well, in that, that in, in seeing, like, I saw your videos on Marble Hornets, and I'm like, oh, this is great. I really enjoy this content. And then I saw this Alan tutorial thing, and when you showed the first clip of Alan tutorial in your video on Alan tutorial, I was, like, stunned laughing and horrified because i knew this was going to take a dark turn ah. and i knew and i knew if if i wasn't um already assured that you had good taste through marble hornets and seeing those videos that i would have just skipped this thing if i stumbled across it you know i, mm -hmm. I would have and, and it was like this horrifying thing of you if you saw this you would have just skipped over it and missed it and missed everything it's that it had to the offer Alan's point yeah, <laughs> isn't it though? That's <laughs> yeah. such as the power of the of the Resnick. And God, man, I'll actually I'll admit this. Uh, just before we began on Twitter, you're, you're the author of 1999. No, <laughs> no, thank God. Um, one of the things I saw just before uh, we began <laughs> was uh, Adult Swim actually tweeted out something like. Uh, there is no more internet content to be reshared or reposted today as of 7.41 p.m. And I, I actually uh, hit them back on that. I, I, I tweeted out to them. Uh, let me go see if I can find it real quick. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I tweeted out to them. Some late night short films might be very cool to have again this season. And I'm, by cool, I mean a godsend. <laughs> so speaking <laughs> of Alan, guys, I really, really hope that uh, Adult Swim goes ahead and gives him more work. Let, lets him do more stuff on their channel. Just stuff like unedited footage, stuff like Alan Tutorial, Too Many Cooks, all of that. Mm. Yeah, because I, I, after looking into that, some of some of those uh, short film things are kind of like hit or miss with the infomercials. Some mm. of them are just fucking brilliant. The the uh, for profit university is <laughs> is so unbelievably funny. It's it's everything that is wrong with the college system in America rolled into one. Mm -hmm. It's brilliant. It's hilarious. Uh, and I think having that sort of framing device of posing this as it's real gives it that extra punch. And I think some of the ones that actually go too far undermine that. <laughs> so like, uh, I'm not talking about like going too far where like you have, uh, and edited footage of a bear not talking about that where it eventually goes too far but it builds up to that so it's it's a it lets you get your suspension of disbelief before it starts fucking with it there's some of them that like shotgun that this isn't real really early and i don't like that mm. goth fitness <laughs> goth fitness goth fitness is funny but it, yeah. it I, I think it missed the point 
that um, Alan Resnick hit on with his videos and that, and Too Many Cooks and and a few others. Uh, the the for profit thing I think is uh, believable at first too. So yeah, yeah and that's, and that's r- right now Jenny Winley trick yeah yeah uh, I know st- um, stumbling <laughs> over my words here. Uh, <laughs> right now they just announced that they're making a movie of the book Pride. And prejudice and zombies. That weirds me out so much. But and so, it, but and it's also so, it's also inevitable. Like I, I'm not like it weirds me out, but I'm not surprised that it's happening. Now, now obviously that was already a book that was a parody of Pride and Prejudice, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. But I wonder how much more impactful would it be if they just marketed it as a Pride and Prejudice movie, <laughs> and then you go and see it. And then it's Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. <laughs> like, I like the idea of blindsiding people, blind blindsiding people with this kind of stuff. Oh, and man, you would make so many senior citizens so angry. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Well, hey, uh, I really like that idea, though. I, I I really love that idea. They could always because I, I was uh, I saw the trailer for it. And it bills itself, like the first half of the trailer bills itself as Pride and Prejudice, and then it's zombies. And so I was sending it to some friends, and I was kind of like, I almost considered stripping down the video and then re-uploading it on another YouTube channel and just labeling it Pride and Prejudice. Because <laughs> I think it lost some of its impact as a commercial when you know that it's Pride and Prejudice and zombies. Mm. And I think that was one of its benefit. could have been one of its benefits, is blindsiding people. Makes you wonder if uh, Sense and Sensibility and Sea Monsters would have the same effect, but, uh, well, we'll see. <laughs> but anyway, I think I've said everything I can say on this. Uh, and I have no closure. No, well... Yeah, that's that's the unfortunate part, is that we really, we really don't get closure, because, again, we don't know who this author is, and we just kind of have to see at this point. Maybe 1999 will get another installment. Maybe the author would come forward. Maybe it'll just sit in the dust. Maybe, if maybe, hopefully, people will start to question the credibility of this story, which is my, my, my evil end game. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not like um, Slime Beast himself hasn't overcome some issues with this, where he's lampshaded these problems. I think we tackled this last time. No, yeah, we, if, we, if you if you just said that the uh, wiki was vandalized and that he didn't put that up there and it's someone messing with him, I think. I would I would let that go. <laughs> okay. If if this person could somehow come up with something interesting to add on after that, and I don't know if they could. There's a lot of questions, a lot of doubts in my mind, but they could do that of this was vandalized, that was clearly taken from something else, and I didn't notice it until someone else brought it to my attention, i.e. us. Hmm. Hmm. Well, there's, uh, I don't. I don't want to be mad at this story, but I am. Yeah, me too. And and that's my feelings on it as well. Is that I didn't want to be disappointed this way, but uh, I'm very disappointed in this writer. It's it's like I said before. It's I praise writers. I love writing. It's mm-hmm. it's story. It's character. It's it is the core basis of any strong media out there that tells a story in some facet. So to see this happen to something that I was really rooting for out of the, all the sea of creepy pasta out there, ouch, man! <laughs> just 
oh, it hurts. It, it, really, it really does, because a lot of people look up to this story. A lot of people will say 1999 is one of my absolute favorite epic creepypasta. Like, one of the longer creepypasta. So, and now it can't be. No, <laughs> and now it, it can't be. No, it can't. It's credibility, it, to me, has already been, just has gone down the drain. I am pretty much in the mindset that this was this was blatant and hope and the author hoping no one would notice and i know other people are going to go out of their well maybe not go out of their way but a lot of people will are going to keep questioning it because it just it's so weird i will keep questioning it but that's where my mind sits and until something else happens and something it has to be exceptional that's where i'm going to stand um real quick i want to close out this discussion with something uh, one of my uh, listeners shared with me that's kind of interesting. Um, Cody Wilson brought to my attention that Alan Resnick on his Twitter posted a few, I guess, pseudo-cryptic tweets on um, February 27th. There was one that just said, they held hands and bravely let fire kill them. And, of course, people are just like, huh? Level ID? Mm. And then Alan Resnick responds, coming, coming soon. Next one uh, would be I, which was posted a little later, was I love how fire cleanses sins, and then people again just kind of going through and asking, "Hey, are you done with that tutorial?" Uh, thirdly, I've worked in the pasta sauce industry for over twenty years, and I have to say I've had a lot of fun. Now, hmm. these are presented with uh, Cody Wilson saying. Coincidence? Yes. Interesting? Also yes. <laughs> so I just want to leave that there because whether or not it's connected, it's Alan Resnick being Alan Resnick, and that's wonderful. <laughs> and I think one of the best things you can have when it comes to uh, good fiction or a good, um, a good impact you can have is a sense of doubt and a sense of questioning because... I think that you should always, to some degree, keep people guessing and analyzing and proposing theories, and which is why, again, the stuff you cover, Nick, is so wonderful because it is that's exactly what those stories are trying to do. They are trying to engage the they're trying to engage the reader or the viewer or the listener. They're trying to make sure that they have they are actively taking part in the narrative that they're asking questions that they're coming up with theories that they're just that there's a buzz and a discussion and um i think doubt is the one of the best placeholders for that yeah absolutely it's you've got you've got my mind racing now after you mentioned what cody wilson said because uh oh boy <laughs> now now i just want to go and look at look at those tweets and compare the dates and see for myself because i mean it is a little bit suspicious. <laughs> it's a little bit suspicious. So it, it, I don't it, know. Maybe is it? A he, uh, he's known. He's known for reusing material. Mm-hmm. It mm. could be. I mean, people have hypothesized again. We we didn't touch on this too much, and I'm not sure how credible that is. That perhaps 1999 is a long-running project by Alan Resnick. Is that the case? Who knows? We may never know. But if it is, if it is the case, ages don't match up. Because Alan Resnick isn't—I think he's older than us. I'm no, fairly certain he is. But he's writing as a character. Yeah. So. But uh, but it would it would come into question of it, it is ambiguous of 
where Alan Resnick ends and Alan Resnick begins. Because <laughs> Alan Tutorial is a completely different character than Alan Resnick, hot young tech wizard. But they're the same person, you know? It's weird. Right. Mm. Um, I don't know if this is... and You know, I was thinking about this, too. I've gone and looked at the, the chat logs. For, or the, the update logs for 1999, that was that entry. I mean, I tried to look for tampering. That entry has not been changed by anyone but the user, Giant Engineer. And I looked at Giant Engineer. His profile image is a happy, smiling cartoon bear. Hmm. <laughs> Conspiracy theories abound on undercooked analysis. Uh, yeah. So, um, so yeah, um, I think that, I think that about covers it. So, um, now's a good time for plugs. If you want to plug yourselves, uh, let's start with dead palette. Oh shit. Uh, (laughs) not that people don't know who you are already, but I have a project coming up with, uh, a friend, uh, named sober dwarf where we're writing a giant thing that has the deal with Resident Evil, and that should be out soon. Ooh. Resident Evil 1, specifically. That's exciting. It It's going to be pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't seen him, check him out. Also, Sober Dwarf. Sober Dwarf. Yeah, he's, um, I've noticed that. I, I am definitely going to take a look at his stuff. I've noticed he's left a couple uh, comments on some of my videos and I'm on YouTube, and I, I definitely want to take a look. Um, I also want to drop a hint here that uh, you and I, and we've mentioned this before, we have something coming up for Halloween. Oh, do we? Yes. Well, I haven't been working on it. Oh, well, I've been trying to work on it. <laughs> <laughs> we, we talked about this. We have an end date. So, uh, no. No, no uh, we're delaying that another year. And meanwhile, Nick, why don't you tell the nice people who don't know who you are where they can find you? Well, anybody who uh, is interested can find me on the Nightmine channel here on YouTube. It's uh, You can really just type in Nightmine. Uh, I'm sure the link will be in the description down here. Mm-hmm. And uh, right now, what I'm working on is Everyman Hybrid Explained. Two parts of that are up right now, working on the third part now. I uh, should take just a little bit. But uh, let me tell you, one, one of the things that... Um, has been going on uh, with uh, viewer reaction to EMH is that um, it's been a little bit, they said, sparse on analysis and explanation for certain portions uh, due in comparison to Marble Hornets. And the reason for that is uh, the way that the story is laid out. I will say that the third part, we're going to get right back to that. There's a quite a bit of detective work with the third part in which things finally start to come together that I can go ahead and explain without having given portions of the story away well in advance. So mm. that's going to come back, and that's going to be fun. There's quite a few revelations in uh, uh, Part 3 and very major hints about what the end game is. Well, I, I kind of um, I, I wanted to leave a comment on everything that you do because I, I enjoy so much of it, but I haven't had anything to say on this because... Uh, so far, it, it has been all dealing with the mechanics of Everyman Hybrids, whereas the mechanics of Marble Hornets aren't so cumbersome to discuss. <laughs> so you could do the analysis bits along the way, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
It's like and, we're waiting for the real analysis bombs to drop. Yeah, I think that's really that like, is exactly you, the case. Yeah, you uh, put a little teaser at the beginning of, especially the first video, giving some ambiguous insight into what you're going to have to say. But I, I honestly don't know where it's going. I can just tell that it's going to have something to do with that, and so I trust you. I trust there's analysis coming. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it's it's been tough because the way that the story is laid out, I honestly feel it's like I said earlier. I feel like this story was very much written to an extent where they knew that what they were going to do for a year. Maybe they didn't know exactly how they were going to execute it online, but that story was written to its extent. And as such, the proper placement of clues that lead to reveals come later on. And because of that facet of the story, the way that it's written and the way that it's presented, there were just portions where I could not give it away because I knew that the time was about to come to speak about this or say, hey, remember this all the way back then? Well, guess what that meant? This right here. And that's what it relates to. <laughs> so I did have to wait on quite a few of those things. But EMH told their story so well through the other mediums that I didn't mind it. And I wanted to go ahead and give those story points out there so that when the bomb finally hits, when the hammer falls, oh, it falls. Uh, one thing I was meaning to ask you before we go, even though we've already just done plugs, <laughs> uh, are you planning on doing um, Dark Harvest at some point? Like Dark Harvest down is coming. It's, okay. um, it's still difficult at this time to really decide... How to approach Dark Harvest, because Dark Harvest, in the same crossover video where EMH and Tribe 12 collide, there's also the Dark Harvest guys. So it's it's kind of like, I don't know, it, it's tough because right now I'm, I'm juggling EMH and I'm getting ready for Tribe 12 that I do really like Dark Harvest. I do. It's just that I, I've had to put my mind away from how I'm going to approach it because my head is so full right now with these other two series of the big three that I don't know yet if it's going to be its own video series or it's just its own video period or lead the pack on rest of Slenderverse. So does, does Dark Harvest is going to be touched on. Does it in your mind, how does it stack up against uh, Everyman hybrids and Tribes 12, because I, I think that it's more successful than Tribes 12. I, I really just don't care for that, and you're going to have to do some quality explaining for, <laughs> to, to convince me otherwise on oh, that. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, with Tribe 12, what I've, what I've looked at for the research that I have done for it, um, there's an entire, like, half of the story is on YouTube, the other half is on Twitter. So, when it came to that aspect of storytelling that is akin to Marble Hornets and the way that Everyman Hybrid went ahead and did their own approach with it, so did Tribe 12 in that it was a much more personal approach with Twitter, coupled with the YouTube updates. Um, with all of the series, any series that you look at with uh, the Slenderverse, each one of them has their own major strength that is really, really interesting to compare and contrast. And down the line, there is going to be a video that, after this whole experience, I want to go ahead and make a video that just, finally, after explaining everything, after going through the stories, we all sit back and look at it, and we approach it in the way that 
it's critical analysis of mechanics. You know, how was it made? Why did they write this? How does it compare and contrast? With Everyman Hybrid, it gets a lot more personal than Marble Hornets ever did with its characterization. It brings you inside of that world, and I found that familiarity both in Tribe 12 and Dark Harvest. The difference between Dark Harvest and Tribe 12 is that from the get-go, it feels a bit more like the EMH approach of um, these guys are just common friends, common friends that you might have, just a couple of guys that you might know where something starts to go wrong with them. Whereas Noah, there is this very huge feeling of isolation throughout the series that brings you into his own situation of being alone, utterly alone in the situation that he's facing. Where Dark Harvest, it's it's the gang all the way through. It's the squad. It's, you know, these two guys and whoever they pull in as friends facing the odds together. And then there was a long, strange silence for appreciation of that fact. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, actually, well, while we're at this point, what I want to know is what um, I'm gonna. I want to now open the floodgates and allow our, um, our uh, the listeners a chance to say their own piece. What do you guys think? Do you have anything you want to add here? I encourage you. Your challenge, <laughs> the next trial is. <laughs> <laughs> to uh, leave feedback wherever you listen to this. If you're listening to the podcast uh, variation of this, uh, leave something on uh, the Benview Network or um, on Twitter or Tumblr. You can uh, leave something on Midnight Marinera's Facebook page. And, of course, YouTube. I mean, a lot of people are listening to this through YouTube. So on YouTube, uh, just give us your feedback. What do you think of these sort of discussions? And uh, maybe your thoughts on ARGs in general. And also, um, you know things just 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 keep the discussion going that's one of the things we just really want to encourage and that's why i've been trying within these last few ones to actually bring in a bit of reader feedback especially when it comes to this because we as a community are the ones who are going to have to figure this out and piece this thing together with 1999 or figure out that it's all just a big a big nuisance and leave it alone who knows this podcast is a part of the benview network You can find this and other podcasts like it at BenviewNetwork.com.